As we continue in our series there, we're going to be in chapter 2, this uh, For Christ series, uh, through yet another of Paul's letters. Uh, So uh, if if you haven't been with us, uh, last week we've, we've been seeing this long list of what we would all consider undesirable circumstances that the Apostle Paul found himself in because of his faith and his stance for Jesus. But God uses his example uh, to show us how to choose joy when we find ourselves facing difficulties, those things that we would not choose for ourselves if we had the choice. Last week we saw that Paul was a prisoner He was wrongfully accused. He was chained to a palace guard 24-7, the object of both political and religious plotting. But he used prison as a platform to preach the gospel and encourage the saints. A prisoner preacher has a much bigger impact than just a prisoner has. Not only was he a prisoner, but he was on death row. He would have been with the worst of the worst. He would eventually be martyred in Rome. But his response was one of hope and expectation we see in verse 20 of chapter 1. He, be, he became a death row deliverer of truth. He truly believed that death was gain because of the eternal weight of glory that waited him because of what Jesus had done. And he let it be known to anyone who would listen. And finally last week we saw that he suffered greatly. Paul's list was, was long. His list of of undesirable things is perhaps longer than ours. I mean, we are not in prison. We are not the ones called to start uh, the ministry of of, of Christianity, the movement of Christianity. So there's a difference, but the bottom line is we still suffer. The word suffer, it means to undergo evils, to be afflicted. The entire world knows what it means to suffer. It's a result of sin. And so... This is relevant to us. When we suffer as saints, and I define the word saints as one who has truly accepted Jesus alone to save them from their sins. When we suffer as saints, our suffering has purpose. The first blank on your outline. When we suffer as saints, our suffering has purpose. How many times have we had the conversations? I don't know how people can go through this life and all the difficulties without knowing the Lord. You've had the conversation before. Because he gives our suffering purpose. Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations. We can say we glory in sufferings, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so that's why Paul could have joy no matter what he faced. And for us, it's not prison yet, but the question becomes, how does God want to to use the things that we would not choose for ourselves as a platform to shout the name and healing and grace and love of our Savior Jesus Christ. In what areas is he causing you to calling you to choose joy? And maybe more importantly, the question is, how in the world are you supposed to do it? Well, our passage today it kind of answers that question. How do we choose joy? 
Chapter 2 has been uh, defined as the, the heart of this letter. One pastor called it the most talked about text in the entire word. I'm not so sure if that's true or not. But a lot of people have, have looked this over. And it's probably going to be familiar to you. If not, that's okay. But again, it gives us the path to joy. And so, uh, if you are able, out of respect for the word of God, please do so as we read Philippians 2, 1 through 11. The Word of God says this. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. The path to joy. It starts first, number one on your outline, with unity. Unity. And we begin to see some similarities with our In Christ series through Ephesians. One of the main themes there was unity. Because of who we were before Christ. Remember, we were de dead, we were doomed, we belonged to Satan. And because of who we are now, alive, reconciled to God, part of his family, this brings unity. Unity in our marriages, unity in our relationships, at our jobs, unity here at church. It seems that, that from the beginning, God's people have struggled with unity. Verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. It's the same message as Ephesians 4, 3 through 6. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. There is one body, one Spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And so we see here the root cause of disunity is revealed in Philippians 2. And that is selfishness. It's selfishness. The, the next blank on your outline. Let nothing be done Verse 3 says, through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each of you esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only out for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, notice the contrast. And Aaron, if you want to get that, or Josh, if you want to get that video ready to go. Notice the contrast. We have, we have selfish ambition which is a me-first attitude, putting myself forward. The King James translates it as vainglory, other times as contentious. If you've been here very long, you've heard me describe it as 
the me monster. Uh, go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, you've got a me monster. Just go ahead and tell them. That whole idea comes from this video that I'm about to show you. And uh, I heard this uh, 20 years ago uh, in, a, in a message. And it goes right along with what we're talking about here in Philippians today. So I, I realize we only have one screen because this one got hit by lightning. But um, go ahead and, uh, and watch this, this video. I'm actually kind of quiet off stage. A lot of people don't realize that. I was at a dinner party recently. A bunch of people that I don't know. One guy talking plenty for everybody. Me, myself, right? And then I, and then myself, right? Me, me. I couldn't tell this one about I because I was talking about myself. And then me, 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 me. Beware the me monster. So I tried to jump in with a little story. I don't want to just sit there the whole night. Right when I'm done with my story, this guy goes, that ain't nothing. <laughs> oh, well, didn't mean to waste everybody's time. <laughs> Telling my nothing story. Here, let Marco Polo speak. He's back with tales of adventure. My story ain't nothing. Maybe it wasn't, because I made the mistake of trying to tell a story about having only two wisdom teeth pulled, and I learned a lesson. Don't ever try to tell a two wisdom tooth story, because you ain't going nowhere. The four wisdom teeth people are gonna parachute in and cut you off at the pass. Halt, halt with your two wisdom tooth tail. You will never complete one, trust me. I'm trying to tell my story. You know, I had some wisdom teeth pulled. I had, um, I had two, but I had four pulled. Oh, okay. No, five, no, nine. I had nine wisdom teeth pulled. All of mine were impacted. They were all coming upside down. The roots were wrapped around my tongue, coming out my nose. They were tusks. I was a warthog. No anesthesia. They pulled them out with pliers. I was eating corn in the cob that afternoon. Pin the blue ribbon upon his chest. That knocks the socks off of my wisdom tooth tail. Why do people need to top other people? I've never understood it, and I see it all the time. Obviously, people get something out of it. At best, people wait for your lips to stop. Yeah, as soon as... Okay, yeah, you, me! You, me! You see the difference? You see, you see that? Now I do. What is it about the human condition people get something out of that? That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can beat anybody's story whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some me monster's doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Oh, really? 
Let him have his moment. Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business. I got my own global enterprise. I got to check on. You know, driving in the Autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich. And I get this Swiss account that I want to check out. Mount Kilimanjaro expedition. Might have to cancel that. You know, runways and aspirin are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. You know, you know, you know that Pacific Rim company. We're going to try to take that over. And global enterprise. I walked on the moon. <laughs> well, you have the floor, moonwalker. <laughs> you know, you mentioned driving on the Autobahn. That reminded me. Once I was driving in the sea of tranquility. <laughs> in my lunar rover. And I, too, was worried about our speed till I remembered, wait, we're the only ones on the moon. <laughs> you guys are great. Thank you very much. Beware the me monster. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, yeah, you've got a me monster. Go ahead and tell them, because it's, it's the truth. It's the truth. What we see here in Philippians chapter 2, the path to joy is unity and, number two, correct identity. Correct identity. See, I have no problem putting me first. I have no problem unlocking the cage to my me monster and letting him have free reign, running wild. None of us do. But... When we get a bunch of me monsters running around, that's when people don't get along, both in the world and in the church. The root cause of disunity is selfishness, and selfishness comes when we let our me monsters run wild. Selfish ambition, me first attitude, having too high an opinion of myself is contrasted with verse 3 there, lowliness of mind. That means having a, a humble opinion of myself. Let's eat, let each esteem others better than himself. And, and it's not that we're, that we're down on ourselves. It's not a woe is me, I am dirt, I'm worth nothing attitude. Some people take that to places that God does not intend. But lowliness of mind and esteeming others better than myself is an attitude and trust that my identity doesn't come from what people think of me. My significance doesn't come when people recognize all my accomplishments or what I've done or what I've accumulated. My identity comes from how God sees me. You can write that down. My identity comes from how God sees me. And as wretched as I am, and as many mistakes as I continue to make, I am who he says I am. And on my worst day, he still loves me. And he valued me enough to send his son to take my place. And friend, that's exactly how he sees you. On your worst day, he still loves you. And he still would send his son to take your place so that you could have eternal life. See, the instructions here in Philippians, they are opposite of what our world celebrates. The world tells us to uh, do whatever makes us happy, accommodate your me monster, feed your me monster, grow your me monster, don't be concerned with others, focus on yourself and getting what you want. 
You're probably not familiar, but there is a hashtag, I deserve to be happy movement going on right now in our, in our nation. It was founded by a quote-unquote pastor. Um, I, I don't know if it was founded by him, excuse me, but it is endorsed by him. Megachurch pastor in Atlanta who uh, is actually considering starting a cannabis business out of the church so he can reach more people. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's an example of Romans 1, 18 and following, where God says he sometimes gives people over to themselves and the Holy Spirit is completely disconnected from them. Church, be careful who you listen to. This uh, I deserve to be happy movement says, uh, because we all deserve to be happy, then we can do whatever makes us happy and cut out anything that doesn't. If my spouse doesn't make me happy, then I'll walk away from my marriage. If my stuff doesn't make me happy, then I'll trade it in on new stuff that will. I deserve to be happy. This is what the world tells us. But this is what the word tells me. I deserve to go to hell because of my sins. I deserve to be completely cut off from God. I deserve his wrath, but because of Jesus, instead, I get his love. On our worst days, he still loves us. He still values us enough to give his son's life in place of mine. And that means more than anything this world has to offer. The next blank on your outline, we should look at life through this truth. We should look at life through, all of life through this truth. Everything we do for Christ should be done with this truth in mind. That's how Paul could choose joy. He had the correct identity. That's how he could instruct God's people to put others first. Don't we know? It is a struggle. Especially when we see others living in pride and selfishness. When other people don't live by these instructions, my me monster gets upset. But there's no caveat, there's no asterisk, just instructions. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Church, we're able to do this when we live for Christ in his strength. James 4:10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up, lift you up. Throughout his word, we see the same message. God sees pride as sin. If you google Bible verses about pride, you will see there are dozens. So Philippians 2 tells us disunity is most often a result of the sin of pride and selfishness that runs rampant when we allow our me monsters to have free reign, we don't find our identity in Christ. The next blank on your outline, me monsters love to fight. Me monsters love to fight. So since we all really do like to think about ourselves, let's take a moment right where we are and allow God to search our hearts. Is there an area that we need to cage our me monsters? Is there, more importantly, is there an area that we need to allow God 
to cage our me monsters? Has selfishness led to divisions in relationships here, in our marriages, at work? It's never easy to think of others more highly than ourselves, but when we do, we are being like Jesus. And I think we could all agree that's what the world is missing. The world that that tells me that I deserve to be happy, it's missing the humble, selfless attitude that Jesus shows us. This is what so many marriages are missing. This is what so many co-workers are missing. This is what so many relationships are missing. And So when we think of others more highly than ourselves, we are being like Jesus and we are communicating the gospel to those around us. We do that when we find our identity in him. Next verses are, 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 are my favorite part. You may see your, this, this section labeled as the, the, the humble and exalted Christ. We see the path, is, uh, path to joy is through unity, correct identity, and number three, it's humility. It's humility. Verse five again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. If you were with us last week, we just imagined that we could plan out our lives, every step of our lives, before we live them. And so today, imagine with me that we could be equal with God. Now listen, we are not. We are not anywhere close. But just imagine that, that we were. I know myself. I would completely exploit that. I would make sure that everyone knew it. I would make sure that everyone served me. I would make sure that that everything was exactly how I wanted it. Things would be good, but they would be my definition of good. My me monster would absolutely love it if I were equal with God. Aren't we glad that we're not? My point is this. Jesus is So all the magnificence and knowledge and splendor and power God the Father has, Jesus has too. We we sang it today, Colossians 1, 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things. Things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Even though Jesus is equal with God, he didn't use that equality for his own benefit. He used it for ours. If I were equal with God, I would use my power for my benefit, but Jesus is different. And the next blank on your outline, Jesus is our example. He is our 
example. There is no greater example of humility. There, there is no greater example. He chose to make himself of no reputation. He chose to serve. Many times you and I will serve as long as it doesn't cost us too much. It cost Jesus everything. And he still did it. He chose to humble himself, to be nailed to a cross in our place. The Son of God chose to die in my place. It is in him that we are unified. It is in him that we find our identity. It is in him that we see the greatest example of humility. Jesus is our example. Hebrews 12, 1-3 Therefore we, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So when God's word says, look to Jesus, when it says, let this mind be in you that was also in Jesus, he's telling us the pathway to joy is through humility. Pride snuffs out joy, but humility magnifies it. Could it be the reason that so many people can't seem to find joy? Because we can't find humility. When we choose to make ourselves of no reputation. When we choose to serve, when we choose to use our advantages for others, when we endure hostility all for Christ, something supernatural happens. Our priorities begin to change, our, our focus shifts, God's voice becomes clearer and sustains us through the difficulties. His voice gives us the strength to do what he calls us to do. And his spirit gives us a peace that passes understanding. And a joy that reaches beyond circumstances that can be found nowhere else in this world. That's why living for Christ is worth it. That's where living for Christ live, leads. He most certainly doesn't, doesn't take away the difficulties he does not grant us every wish, but he gives us something better. And even though we may not see the good on this side of life, we choose to believe and move forward that if it's not good, then he's not done. Therefore, verse 9, because Jesus chose to do all that he did, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Beautiful and strong and right, rightfully worshipful verses of truth. 
Jesus is the name above every name. Every tongue will bow to Jesus. Every knee will, every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. But don't miss those last seven words. To the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself to death to the glory of God the Father. He exalted, he's exalted above every other name to the glory of God the Father. The glory of God should be our goal as well. The last blanks on your outline. God's glory should be our goal. And God receives glory when we truly live for Christ. What an opportunity that we have today as we participate in the Lord's Supper. The instructions in 1 Corinthians 11 are for each one of us to examine ourselves. So I just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes right where you are. We know that uh, this, this meal is for those who truly know Jesus as their Savior. So if you can't think of a time when you surrendered your life to him, this is not for you. The offer of eternal life is for you. And you can accept him right there where you sit. Admit that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the one and only son of God who can save you from your sins and confess him as Lord of your life. It's very possible that there are some here who have never done that. The opportunity is right now. But for those of us who have, examine yourself. Are there any areas that your me monster has just been running wild? Any relationships? Any, any things? Any, any habits? Your me monster is out of control. And you need to allow God to cage Page it again. Is there any disunity? Is there anywhere that you've found identity in other things? Uh, your accomplishments, your relationships, your status, your substance. You need to confess it. You need to forsake it. You need to find help. The Lord is offering an opportunity to examine yourself today. As our deacons come, we just continue to worship. Lord, we invite you to come. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we agree with your word that Jesus is the name that is above every other name. We join with all of creation, exalting him. Lord, as we think about what this meal means, Lord, that you would take our place, that you loved us even on our worst day. Lord, you are head over heels in love with us, so much so that you would take our place. 
your blood that makes us right with God the Father. Lord, help us to worship through this as we continue here today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. was rich I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time sin separated the breach was far too wide but from the far side of the chasm you held me in your side so you made a way across the great divide, left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid the debt I owe, broke my chains, freed my soul for the first time I my place laid inside my tomb of sin you were buried for three days but then you walked right out again and now death has no sting and life has no end for i have been transformed by the blood
walk you through this. There are two different tabs. One's a clear tab on the top, and that'll give you access to the bread. And then the other tab will give you access to the juice. Could throw those uh, verses up on the screen for us. 1 Corinthians 11, I received from the Lord that which was also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took bread. 24, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. John, would you mind praying for us? Matthew 26, 30, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's stand and sing with us the old hymn, Amazing Grace. 